Welcome back to Clinical Pearls for Graduate Physios, the podcast that collaborates with experts in the world of physiotherapy to give new grads and students key tips and tricks. I'm your host, Dion Kapnius, and today I'm joined by Joyce Secon to talk all about imposter syndrome. Joyce also finished her physio degree last year alongside me and decided to choose imposter syndrome as a topic of choice for a final year project. She does an incredible job of combining thorough research, but also her personal experiences of imposter syndrome, which was really interesting. My top three clinical pearls are, firstly, get an external opinion to help you take a step back and not be so hard on yourself. Secondly, learn to celebrate your accomplishments and not always focus on areas to improve. And lastly, understand that the learning curve as a professional is huge, and often the expectations of yourself are higher than those from your boss or supervisor. I hope you enjoy. Welcome, Joyce. Um, thanks for making time on a on a Sunday. Oh, now technically afternoon, but um, it's a pleasure to have you on. And yeah, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. No, it's such a pleasure to um, talk about something that I'm so passionate about um, and something that I've experienced a lot in, um, and to share the knowledge with everyone else who might be experiencing it as well. Yeah. It's always nice when you've got some sort of, I suppose, you know, real connection or emotional connection to the topic that you're speaking about. <clears throat> and I should, as a little forewarning, you know, it is Sunday for us here, so don't mind our, our croaky voices. But, <laughs> it might just be a bit more um, casual than usual. <laughs> yeah, maybe just a little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so obviously you did your project on imposter syndrome which absolutely is super relevant for students, new grads alike. Could you maybe give us a brief description about it and talk about those who are perhaps more likely to experience it? Yeah, of course. Like I said earlier, I felt very passionate about feeling like an imposter syndrome. Um, Sorry, feeling like an imposter because uh, it was something that regularly came up on my placement. And I just didn't know what that feeling was um, until I started talking to more people about it. So when I looked it up for um, my peak project, I actually realized it's a huge um, phenomenon. It's called imposter phenomenon that was... um, talked about by these two psychologists, Suzanne Imes and Pauline Rose Clance. So this started back in the 70s. And what they talk about is how high achieving individuals fail to recognize their accomplishments. Uh, They fail to recognize their successes and just have continuous self-doubt in everything that they do. Um, specifically during placement or when they're going on a new journey for their jobs. It's almost like they fear of being exposed as a fraud or an imposter because they think up until this point, everything has been due to luck and not just their own knowledge or not their own skills. Um, and even though it's not recognized as a actual psychological disorder, um, by the APA or the International Classification of Diseases, it's still widely discussed. There's not a lot of research around it. So at the moment, there are many psychologists and professionals who acknowledge that it is a very real thing and it's a very specific form of intellectual self-doubt. Um, a lot of research that went around it 
shows that anyone can experience imposter syndromes, but it can be more common with people going on a new journey. So especially for us as new grads, we're going on a new career. Um, so you can imagine we were we are particularly susceptible to imposter feelings, um, but not only us, and we probably experienced it a lot as students on placement as well, because it's such a new thing for us. Um, so the few factors that are associated with higher imposter syndrome would be personality traits. So people who are more pessimistic, perfectionists, such as all the physio students that you meet, um, and those who have lower self-esteem. Uh, people who also experience depression, anxiety, and social dysfunctions, so com comorbid conditions. Age can be a huge factor as well, where younger people in a workplace have higher rates of imposter feelings. Some minority groups who experience a lack of adequate financial aid or those who are first in their family to receive formal ter tertiary education. And this one's a bit of a debatable one, but gender can play a role in having imposter feelings in a workplace. There is conflicting evidence in the literature where some research papers show that women experience more imposter syndrome than men, but other research are no differences. So that one is like a ticket with a grain of salt kind of thing. Yeah, cool. So I suppose to summarize that, you know, you've got this, I mean, since the 70s, you spoke about imposter syndrome first being mentioned and, you know, all of that is very relatable to not only me, but, you know, going through the course through uni, seeing many, many other people experience very similar things. Um, and I think a lot of the risk factors you mentioned as well, it's sort of very, um, I suppose, relevant for physio students. You know, you've got these high achievers, you've got these, you know, they've also the young age, typically a lot of people come straight through the course directly from high school and do it full time. Um, and, you know, in a new environment as well with both placement and, and obviously for us with uh, as new grads in a new working environment, it's, uh, it's almost a perfect storm. I know. It's like everything was created exactly for failure. Like it's just everything was a perfect mix for us to fail. <laughs> but it is something that everyone can work on. If you do experience imposter syndrome, there are ways that you can help yourself um, and there are ways that... Uh, people in the workplace or people on your placement can make it a better environment for you to learn in, definitely. Yeah, I suppose speaking of that, maybe we could talk a little bit more about, I mean, we spoke about how, you know, we've got this high achieving environment and there's always more work to be done. How important, I suppose, do you think it is to set realistic expectations of ourselves and also set the bar low sometimes to avoid disappointment? It is so important. Um, I think as new physios and previously as physio students, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to perform to the best of our abilities, but it can often create false images in our head that we are always underperforming. So that feeds into that vicious cycle of, oh, we're underperforming. We're not as good as we say, but you know, we're at this point, luck has got us here. So let's just keep going. Because of that, then we find it so hard to acknowledge our own successes. We have increased stress and burnout, like the amount of burnout that new grads experience in their first year was just insane. And just lower job satisfaction and lower performances at work. Um, but I think the important thing to note and what the psychologist Pauline Rose Clance says is to urge people with imposter syndromes to stop chasing perfection and realize that no one is perfect. So she suggests doing a task that's 
uh, doing it well enough, but then appreciating your efforts. So she says to develop and implement rewards for success and learn to celebrate. And I think that's really important as a new grid to also recognize your expertise while you're learning, not only to get advice from more experienced mentors, but, you know, helping to guide and tutor students maybe who are still in the physio course can also be helpful and, and make you realize how far you've come from learning. Um, so it's really about recognizing how far you've progressed, but also knowing that there's still a lot more to learn. Yeah, I really like that. And I think that, you know, it's, I've found that really helpful for myself, in my first couple of months of work that, you know, there's always going to be more that you don't know and always more that you could be doing and, and always areas of improvement. But if you're constantly focusing on that, you're not going to get anywhere and you're going to be constantly disappointed and feeling like you're not enough. I've heard a saying, um, tapping into what's called rushed patience. So it's coming back to the fact or the idea that, you know, you acknowledge where you are now, but you also know what you want to get to. Um, so you can't just worry about where you want to get to and all the areas you improve on, but you have to just, you know, say, this is where I'm at now. And that's the reality. And I'm going to slowly improve over time. Yeah. I think as students, maybe this is just me, but it was always like, okay, five weeks done of placement onto the next thing. I got to perform my best in five weeks and on the, onto the next thing. But then it's come to the awful realization as a new grad that you're like, no, no, these things actually take time. And as a professional, you know, the learning curve is huge. Like when you're on placement, you have all these supports and um, you know exactly what you're doing. You're provided a small caseload. But as a new grad, you're expected to suddenly have the independence to know what you're doing. Um, Or at least that's the expectation when I think a lot of workplaces do realize that a new grad role is hard and they try not to expect too much from you. So therefore, we shouldn't expect too much from ourselves. Um, And it's exactly like you said, it's just having the patience um, to give yourself some time to settle in and to learn what you know and w- learn what you don't know. Yeah, I think you make a good point that there's the expectations of your new boss or your supervisor, but then there's also your the perceived expectations that a lot of students have. And I think nine times out of 10, the perceived expectations of what the students think they need to be able to do or the new grad thinks they need to be able to do are always higher than what the boss or the supervisor, you know, really is expecting from them. So I think that's important to remember and probably a, can be a nice, I suppose, little way of trying to get yourself out of this headspace of, you know, they expect so much of me. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, people are just more susceptible to comparing themselves to others. I know I'm definitely in that spot, <laughs> comparing myself to people constantly. <laughs> yeah, it is so hard and that is almost unavoidable at times to to not look around and say, well, I'm not them or they're better than me or they know more about this, et cetera. Exactly. I suppose coming back to, well, now I think it's probably a good time to, you know, speak about some form of solution and how to actually get out of this sort of imposter syndrome and start to deal with it a bit better. So do you have any tips around how to get out of that headspace when you are in a bit of a rut and you are feeling these feelings of imposter syndrome um, yeah, any any sort of practical tips that you've found through your project? Yeah, so while doing my research for the project, I came across this really good um, 
article from the American Psychological Association website. So aside from the two that I've mentioned earlier, which were to realize that no one's perfect and to also recognize your expertise, there are a few other tips uh, from the website that I can talk about. One of them, uh, one of the really important ones as a student on placement, an extra set of eyes to just reassess the situation, help you recognize your progress and growth instead of con- constantly comparing yourself to other students or professionals, just like we spoke about a bit earlier. Um, another one is just to remember that, um, sorry, another tip is to also remember what you do well, make a realistic assessment of your abilities and your skills. While there are areas that we are smart in and there are areas that we can improve in, writing these things down can actually help you reflect realistically um, on not only your goals, but where there's actual legitimate room for improvement. Um, reflecting back on my placements as a physio student, the ones that I scored really well in and the ones that I felt quite good about my performances were ones that the clinical educators would often just sit down with me, reflect on what I needed to learn, reassure me of my strengths as a student, but then also realistically list down things that I can improve in. So ultimately, if these feelings from imposter syndrome are heavily affecting your work or your well-being, there are options of seeking individual therapy. So speak to a psychologist or a counseling service. I think there are a ton of um, free counseling services out there if financials are an issue. Sometimes it can just take a professional to just give you those extra tools that you need to break the cycle of imposter feelings. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love those last two points around using the reflective periods or getting that extra, you know, set of eyes to help you realize where you're at. But then also if you do legitimately need help, you, you, you know, you should get it. And I think if we talk about the, I suppose, getting the extra set of eyes and reflecting, I've found that to be one of the best things so far for working for me. Well, I, I schedule in two times a week. I'll have reflective periods of where I just sit down and go through exactly sort of how I've gone in those past couple of days, what I can improve on, what I've done well. And that sort of helps me to just not think about this whole plethora of things I could improve on, but really start to focus in on a few little practical tips or practical things I I can do. Um, And I think it just helps to take off more bite-sized pieces. Uh, Even me during my... um at my workplace now. So I work as a physiotherapist um, in a cerebral palsy center. And that's something that's so specialized that my mentors recognize that this is not something that a typical new grad student would know. So often she would sit down with me and we would reflect on what there are things that I need to improve in. Um, And after every session that I do with a child, she goes, okay, I know you're used to being too hard on yourself. So let's look at the strengths first. Let's look at things that you've done right. And it's really tricky for me to know what I've done right so it does take you know another person to look at the the situation objectively and actually give you things that you need to know um, so that we know we're not so hard on ourselves definitely I think we we are our worst critics and getting that extra opinion or that's you know an an external view is so powerful because it helps you just to realize what I guess the actual reality of the situation is so you don't get in your head so much, definitely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, I guess with that, that's really good. I love those tips that you've got around, you know, once you are sort of feeling these these feelings of imposter syndrome, how you can maybe get out of it. Is there any way we can 
talk about uh, how to prevent imposter syndrome to start with? Have you did you find much in the way of that? This was a really interesting question that came up, and it was something that I uh, during the the peak event, and it was something that I really wanted to know as well. But I think it's just something that's so inevitable. Um, like you said, being a physio student and being placed uh, in a in a a situation where it's, everything's completely new, it just creates the perfect storm of where these imposter feelings can manifest from. So it's not so much of a prevention, but it's more of um, recognizing when you start feeling these feelings, validating these feelings as well, and then starting to tackle on with these strategies that can help you stop like the vicious cycle of continuously feeling that you're underperforming, feeling like your knowledge or your skills are not where they should be. Um, And as soon as you start recognizing these feelings, I think that's where you can start tackling them, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, so rather than seeing this as something that we can try and avoid and try to never get into, we can never experience imposter syndrome, that's probably unrealistic. So instead of that, you know, acknowledging that it's probably inevitable, but once you start to realize those feelings, then it's about taking that proactive approach and not letting it get on top of you. Is that sort of what you're uh, suggesting there? Yeah. So a lot of like websites or articles that I've read say that imposter syndrome is, can be inevitable, um, but it does get easier to overcome with time and with practice. I think. And that's just recognizing that these strategies are there and that you can use them. And so the more that you experience imposter syndrome along your workplace, I think the more equipped you are with the tools that you need. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's, I suppose it is the unfortunate reality as well. It is a matter of time in some extent and time and experience and just seeing patients, learning things, picking it up, getting more confident. That in itself is, I guess, prevention going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Getting more experience and then starting to be more confident in yourself. Exactly what you said. The bonus question, Joyce, have you found any other tips or strategies or advice from your own sort of personal experiences so far? Not aside from the ones that I've already mentioned. I think for me, self-reflection is really key in a lot of things that I do. Um, And just recognizing realistically what I need to improve on rather than creating worst case scenarios in my head constantly. Um, That's what I found was the best way to sort of tackle these imposter syndrome feelings but it's easier said than done um I still find myself continuously like doubting myself at my workplace at the moment so I found it really helpful to talk to my not only to my supervisors but then to my peers as well so all the other junior physios at work and they can reassure me that it's a normal thing that I'm going through. Like they felt it too, and it does go away with time. So I think it's just that reassurance as well that helps me feel like, okay, this is not abnormal. This is this is common and it creates like a great environment where everyone's just failing, but it's fine. It's like that meme of that burning dog, uh, that burning room with a dog in the room being like, this is fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like that. I think... Um... You know, I think it is important to remember that everyone is going to be in a very similar position to you. You know, I think one person sort of told me, you know, like there's 
let's say with, you know, starting new grads, you know, a thousand people before you have done this, been in the exact same situation, gone through it fine. A thousand people after you will do it, probably millions. Um, so, you know, your experience isn't this anomaly. It's not this one-off. And I think remembering that everyone is going through a very similar experience and, you know, you're not alone in that and that the, the those who are around you, whether it be your supervisors, colleagues, fellow students as well, they're all probably experiencing very similar things. So I think that helps to probably, you know, reassure you that it's okay and that, you know, you will get through it and it'll get better over time. I'm going to throw back the question to you. Have you found that you experience imposter syndrome as a new grad and have you found any tips particularly helpful going along with it besides like self-reflection and setting aside time to do it? Yeah, um, I've personally found that sort of like I was alluding to before, if I rather than focusing on every little thing that I could possibly be doing with a patient in front of me, if I just take uh, it into small bite-sized chunks and focus on just doing the really the basic things well, you know, listening to them, trying to communicate as clearly as I can, uh, do the very basics of assessment and just get them going on, you know, a treatment pathway. If I can tick those four things off and I can't, you know, handle it in a way which is sort of clear, concise, answers their questions, listen, you know, makes them feel valuable, then that's a win. You know, I don't, I absolutely, I don't know all the, all the special tests or all the intricacies of different types of hip pain or whatever it might be, but as long as I can do those basic things well and I acknowledge that, then, you know, I think it helps to, to settle those sort of feelings of, oh crap, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, this, this is, you know, this is out of my league or whatever it might be. Yeah. And I think it's also important to realize that people have come to you for a reason that they want to know more and they want to be told by someone who is experienced in the, um, in the field or who are equipped with the knowledge and skill set to tell them something they don't know. And I think that's something that we forget as well, that we've actually graduated from this course and we do know what we're talking about sometimes, but then also um, being able to talk to your mentors when you don't know, and then coming back with that solution later, I think it's something that's key as well. Absolutely. And I think it's a good point. We do know more than we think we do. I found that, you know, I was, I was pretty nervous starting out, you know, my first patient, first couple of patients, I was like, oh God, this is a huge deal. But then you quickly realize that a lot of things that come up, you know, obviously there's some complex ones, but for the vast majority, you know, you know, you know enough and you know enough to sort of go, oh yeah, I can do this or I know how to approach this or tackle this, which is as soon as you get the ball rolling there, it's like the confidence just skyrockets. As soon as you get a few like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I want to do this. Nice, easy one. Bang. It's, yeah, it's only up from there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Coming back to, I suppose, you mentioned a nice couple of nice resources and websites you used for your project. Do you have any other helpful links or resources where listeners could turn to if they want to uh, read more or find more helpful reminders about imposter syndrome? Yeah. So um, in my research, I think YouTube is such a, um, such a great start for people to do their 
research in, especially for like workplaces and being professionals. Uh, there were two great videos that I found on imposter syndrome, the school of life. I don't know if you've heard of um, that, that one, but it, they do a great job of outlining what imposter syndrome is and how to overcome it um, as well. So if you're more interested in like listening to a video rather than reading an article, then that's definitely one that I would recommend. Um, another one is a TED talk by a CEO and entrepreneur called Mike Cannon Brooks. Um, and I think he's an Australian guy who talks about reframing his thinking and actually use imposter syndrome to his advantage um, at this point in his career. So that's, that's an interesting take on how you can use something that is so feels so detrimental to your career, but then use it to your advantage as well. Um, there are also many other insightful articles about imposter syndrome on the American Psychological Association website. That's what I found that was really useful um, that came up. And one of my projects at uni was to create a website about imposter syndrome and how it affects students or new grads. And during that time, I also developed a self-reflection worksheet as a tool to assist students and new grads, um, just to give them a bit of an extra guide on how to self-reflect during their placement or in their workplace. Awesome. That's fantastic. And I'll, I'll put all those resources in the show notes so everyone can access them. And I really like that. That's a really interesting take by the CEO in terms of using it to your advantage. I'd love to actually watch that and, and see his take on it. But uh, I know you already sort of alluded to it, but if, if listeners want to find out more about the project you did and I know you made a website, um, yeah, where should they go for that? Yeah, so they can go to um, the URL, the link that I guess you will provide, but then I'll say it out loud anyways now. It's yeah, sure. Joyce joycecon.wixsite.com slash imposter syndrome. I had to use my first name because there was no other way <laughs> to put the website up, but um, that's what it's called. Um, and then if you go through the tabs, um, there'll be a tabs about the strategies that you can do. And then there's a specific tab about resources that you can access. And that's where my self-reflection worksheet. Yeah, awesome. I um I went through your your website um both when you presented but also in the lead up to this just to have a bit of a read up and I definitely recommend it. There's heaps of good stuff in there and a lot of I suppose the extended version of some of the things we we spoke about today. So um thank you so much, Joyce. This has been awesome. Yeah, no worries. It was good to have a quick chat on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, no, I um got our croakiness aside, but it was no, this has been really good. Yeah, thanks for having me. I think um it's just hard for a lot of students or new grads who do go through this um and not know about imposter syndrome as much as they should, and just bringing up the awareness that it does happen. These are your feelings, and here are some some tools to help you overcome it. I think that's a really important thing that I just want to get my message across. Absolutely. And I hope that, you know, if anyone if they walk away with anything today, hopefully it's, you know, a couple of tips that they can help, you know, deal with it themselves and, and get better. So, um, yeah, thanks again, Joyce. No worries. Thanks, Dion.